remain standing before the Lord shall return to the scriptures. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. I believe that every one of us know the scripture. First Peter 5, 8. Can anybody shout it out? Amen. 5, 8. That's right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what we're going to read, 5, 8. Somebody going to read it out for us. Hmm. Amen. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Father, we are grateful to you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the instructions, the exhortations, the admonition in God's word for us, Father. We pray that we will take it to heart, release grace in this place, anointing that will make the proclamation of your word effective and fruitful. In Jesus' name, we bind every resistance to the preaching of God's word. We take victory in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. 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 Please be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Good to be back home. We were away from home for two Sundays. We're back home worshiping with our parents. And uh, it's always good to be back in the good old U.S.A. You need to be away from home to realize how good home is. Praise the Lord. All right, here we go. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may Devour. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. You have an adversary. How many of you guys know you have an adversary? Yes. Do we know that we have an adversary? Praise the Lord. How many of you know that we have a friend? Do you have a friend? Who is it? Amen. We have a friend and we have an? Praise the Lord. What's so unique about our friend? He cares for us. That's cool. That's good. Amen. The Bible says, Peter is saying, be alert and be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, who is it? The devil is like a roaring lion. He is like a roaring lion. He is not the roaring lion, but he is like a roaring lion. Do you know the friend that you mentioned, the Bible calls him in Revelation 5, 5 as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Praise God. And there is something very unique about him. What is so unique about him? Huh? 
You have no equal. You have no. That's the unique. You should have just. Yes, that's the uniqueness of who? The friend that we have in Jesus. He's unique. There is no one that is rival to him. There is no one equal to him. <coughs> so when we talk about our adversary, we need to understand that Jesus, who is our friend, Jesus, who is our savior, he gives us insight into the operation and the M.O. of the adversary that you have. What is an M.O.? Modest? Praise God. Now, when Peter speaks, he speaks out of what? experience as well. He says, be alert and be vigilant because you have an adversary and he has a method of operation. He's going around seeking whom he may praise God. What's the difference between biting and devouring? Hmm? What's the difference between biting and devouring? Come on. What's the difference between biting and devouring? Devouring is what? It's more aggressive, okay. Biting would leave what? Marks. Devouring would leave what? Nothing. There you go. Praise God. So you have an enemy, his agenda is what? To devour and when he's done, he wants to make sure that he leaves what? Nothing behind. Praise God. You know? So the Bible gives us insight about this enemy that is actively working. Number one, this enemy, the Bible calls him, he is like a roaring lion, but he ain't the lion of Judah, praise God. Now that's a big thing. Because why? There is what? No one like Jesus. If Christ is with you, if Christ is in you, if Christ is for you, then what? We have what is guaranteed for us. What is guaranteed for us? Victory is guaranteed for us. Now I want to put that up as Right away up front, because I don't want to scare anyone with what we are going to talk about this morning. All right? So we have an enemy, but we also have a friend who is powerful than the foe that we have. Now, we know that we have a foe. The Bible tells us that we have a foe, and the Bible tells us how we need to be cautious as we are going to go forward. Number one, the enemy that is working against us, he does what? He sends what? He puts what? He comes after us. And the Bible gives us so many incidents from the old and in the new. In the Old Testament, we see that the battle and the attack was always in the physical realm. 
Okay, so we see in the Old Testament, we have so many examples. We'll put, pull out a few. We talked about expect the unexpected. And who did we talk about? Ah, oh. right. And what happened? Praise God. We see that there was an assault against him. So when there was an assault against him, Samson went on what? On the defensive. When there was an assault against David, David went on the defense. So we as God's children, God calls us out to be alert, sober, and vigilant. Because you never know when the enemy is going to put an assault on you. And when that happens, you and I should be in a place to what? To defend ourselves, to defend our ministry, to defend our family, to defend our church, to defend everything that God has entrusted us. The enemy is seeking whom he may devour. Who is he seeking to devour? He's trying to devour anyone who has a purpose in God, anyone who is anointed by God, anyone who is in the will of God, anyone who is in the plan and purpose of God. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. So number one, you and I should be in a place where we can go on the defensive when there is an assault you and I should be in a place where we can go on the defense how can we go on the defense the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we need to put what put on the whole armor of God praise God you cannot defend yourself by just you cannot just talk out of this attack but you need to put the whole armor of God and resist him the Bible says resist him and he will what flee away from you so number one we want to present to you that you and I should be in a place when the enemy attacks we should be in a position to what? To defend ourselves. Praise God. By our own strength, we cannot defend ourselves. We need the strength of the Lord. We need the anointing of the Lord. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. The foe that you and I are talking about is a powerful foe, but the Bible says he who is within us is greater than he who is out in the world. Praise God. Number one, you should be in a place where you can defend yourself. Samson was in the plan of God as he's walking. The lion comes upon him, but Samson overcomes it. We read about David. David was doing what? He was in the position that was placed. He was doing his assignment Faithfully, when the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, as he narrates it, he says that oh, the lion came and did what? Tried to snatch one of the sheep and he went after him and the lion turned against him, but David overcame him. So number one, we should be in a place where we can defend ourselves. Praise God. Number two, what is this? The preemptive strike. I don't know why Kunyoncha read that. 
He used to be in the He used to be in the Air Force. What is this preemptive strike? That is going on the offense. First is going defending yourself when there is an assault against your life. But the second one is you go on the offensive. For you to go on the offensive, what do you need to know? You need to know what? You need to know who your enemy is. You need to know his plans. And you need to know his armaments that he plans to use against you. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter 20 verse 23, chapter 23 verse 20 onwards. When you read, I want you to look at this. Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. I want you to come with me for a minute. See, the first two incidents that we picked from the Bible were when the lion attacked the men of God and they went on what? They went on defense. But here he, we see a wailing man, a warrior who was one of the 30 mighty men of David. He did what? The Bible says during the time of snow, he went down into the pit and he did what? Killed a lion. That's what you call as going on the offensive or the preemptive strike. What does that mean? Well, it means that before the enemy attacks you, before the enemy assaults you, you go and you neutralize that situation. Nineteen eighty-one, Operation Opera. The Israeli Air Force went into the Iraqi territory and they bombed their nuclear facility because what? It was a preemptive strike so that the Iraqis would not attack Israel with what? Nuclear weapon. For that, you need to have what? You need to have the intelligence to know who the enemy is and where, what are the tricks or the device that he plans to use against you. You and I will have insight into the work of the enemy and God gives us the insight so that you can do a preemptive strike. How does that happen? What are you talking about? Where do you get the insight or the word about a strike that is brewing against your life? Hello? Anybody? Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, Peter, 
say it. Has Satan has desired to sift you like a wheat, but I have prayed so that your faith will not. So where do you get the insight? Where do you get the inside information about the attack that brews against the children of God? Where do you get it from? Where do you get it from? You hear it from the praise God. You have friend in high places. Guys, it's true that we have a foe that is mighty, but this morning I want to bring it to your attention that we have a friend in high places. And the friend in high places is able to supply you the intelligence that you need so that you can do a preemptive strike before the enemy releases his arsenal against you. And where does that take place? It takes place in the war room. Hello, church. Do you have a war room? I am not talking about no board room. I'm not talking about no game room. I'm not talking about no drawing room. I'm not talking about no dining room. I'm not talking about no entertainment room. I am asking as a child of God, do you have a war room? Praise God. War room is a place where you go and you have a fellowship with him, where you have a relationship with him, where he downloads the information, the crucial information that you need for you to do a preemptive strike against the brewing forces of darkness that tends to work against you, against your children, against your family, against your church against your nation praise God hallelujah praise God every one of us need to have a war room in other words a prayer room where you are able to hear from him praise God hallelujah praise God Amen. Look at this man. This man did not wait for the lion to come out. He did not wait for the lion to wake up. But the Bible says, when the circumstances were adverse. How many of you guys have tried to go into a pit when it is a snowy day? Hello. Imagine. When it is snowing, can anyone go into a pit? Well, you can fall into a pit, but this man went into a pit and he what? What did he do? He neutralized the situation before the lion came out. In the war theater, there's a term called collateral damage. What's the collateral damage? Huh? Collateral damages in every conflict, 
In every war, in every battle, what happens? Huh? Both sides loses life. There is collateral damage. But you need to understand God equips and lets us in so that we can have a preemptive strike in the, in, against the schemes of the enemy so that there is no collateral damage. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. There is always a preparation before the preemptive strike. Amen. You cannot just simply go on a preemptive strike. There is always a preparation. Look into the life of Benaiah. There was a preparation before the preemptive strike. Amen. What is the preemptive before preparation before the preemptive strike here? Praise God. The Bible says about this man that before he actually went into the pit and killed the lion, he did what? He took care of two lion-like men. I want you to come with me. I hope that you get the message that we're trying to transmit here. Before he actually took care of lion, which is an embodiment for us of the work of darkness of the fall that you and I face, he took care of two lion-like men. Listen. If there is anybody in this house this morning, if you are involved in any kind of, if you're engaging with someone who's been speaking down at you, who's been roaring at you, who's been coming down hard at you, I want to tell you the Lord is preparing you for a preemptive strike. See, our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood. We want to make sure that we understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Against principalities, against powers, where? Rulers of this dark world. So if you and I are going through any kind of conflict and people are speaking down at you and you're being intimidated, if people are bringing fear down at you, I want to tell you that it is a preparation for what? For a preemptive strike. Before Benaiah took the lion in the pit, he took Two lion-like men, which subsequently gave him the confidence and the courage to bring the enemy down. Mm -mm. David stands before Saul and he says, listen, before I take the Goliath down, I had some experience in the field. 
Praise God. I took care of the bear and the lion that came against me. And that gave me the experience. Before you do a preemptive strike into the forces of darkness, God does what? He sets you up so that you, as David says in Psalm 144, he does what? He trains my hands for battle and my fingers for war. Praise God. Yuttatinayande Karangalayum Porinayande Viralagalayum Avan Abyasipikinu. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. But this takes place where you and I need to have an active war room in our life. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come. There are times where we have to make, we have to be on, go on the defense. There are times when we have to go on the offense. But there are times when things would look helpless. Where you cannot go on the defense, neither can you go on the offense. And for that, come with me to Daniel Daniel is where? In the lion's den, but he's doing what? He's doing what? What is he doing? What is he doing? Shaking? Trembling? Huh? Praying? What is he doing? I think he is chilling. Praise God. Didn't go on the defense, didn't go on the offense, because there is the, the forces that was working against him was too powerful. So he went what? He's what? He's in the lion's den, but he is not wrestling with the powers. He is chilling. Praise God. Yes, there will be times in our lives where we realize that you can go on the defense, you can go on the offense. When that does happen, praise God. You and I don't hit the panic button, but you and I can chill if we have done what? If you have done this. What is that? Praise God. How could you chill? Well, this is how you chill. Kneel before the God King. Daniel had a habit of doing this three times a day. He would kneel down before the God King. Now, if you kneel down before the God King, you can stand before the human king. If you can stand before the human king, you can chill before the lion king. Praise God. Who are you connected to? Hello? Who are you connected to? You and I are connected to the most potent and powerful force in the universe. Praise God. 
Does that mean that you and I will not have trials? Does that mean that you and I will not have testing period? Does that not? Does that mean that you I, uh, and I would not go for going into a crisis or a critical mode? We will go through like Daniel did. But if you and I have a habit of going into the war room and kneeling down before the king every day, he will give you the strength to stand before every foe that tends to intimidate you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let's come. So much for the physical. Let's come to Paul, what Paul is saying. Well, this is what Paul is saying. 2 Timothy 4, 17. Look what Paul is saying. What is he saying? Hmm? 2 Timothy 4, 17. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Read on. Wow. Praise God. Paul is saying, I was delivered from the mouth of the lion. Do you think Paul is talking about a physical lion here? What do you think? Do you think he's talking about a physical lion, just like the lions that we talked in the Old Testament? When it comes here, he's not talking about a literal physical line, but rather when we look into the context of the text, we understand he was not talking about a literal line, but the forces of darkness that was mustering against his life that wanted to bring him and his ministry down. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You could be in the will of God. You could be actively working for God. You could be living a holy life. You could be living a sanctified life. You could be involved in good things. I want to tell you that does not make you exempt from the assault of the enemy. As much as Paul was involved in doing the will of God. He says that he went through a situation in his life where he was what? It seemed as if he would become a prey in the mouth of the lion which is an embodiment or a symbolic of Satan himself or the cronies of Satan. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Satan uses men to thwart the purpose of God. Praise God. I want every man and woman, every child in the house to realize that Satan is not fighting where you are, but he's fighting where you are going. He's fighting where you can go. He's fighting what you can achieve. He's fighting what you can accomplish. He's fighting against the design of God in your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Look what he's saying. 
What is he saying? How did he get rescued? When you read from 14, it goes like this. Alexander the coppersmith did much harm for me. In my first defense, no one came to my side. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. In other words, Paul did not go on a pity party, but he says what? When no one stood for me, when everyone was against me, who stood by me? The Lord stood by me. Praise God. Anybody in the house this morning feeling lonely, isolated, ostracized, put down? This seems as if nobody cares, nobody there to speak a word for you, nobody there to encourage you, nobody there to give you a helping hand, nobody there to give you a word of comfort. I want to tell you, when it seems as if the whole world is against you, there is one who can stand by you. Praise God. Paul is saying, the Lord stood by me. When the Lord stands by you, he's not just casually standing by you, but when he stands by you, he does what? He strengthens you. The Lord stood by me in the darkest hour of my life. The Lord stood by me in the fiery trial of my life. The Lord stood by me in the fiery furnace. He not only stood by me and was an onlooker, but rather when he stands by me, he strengthens me. Amen. Hallelujah. If the Lord is standing with you, I want to tell you, he will strengthen you. For what? Praise God. For what? Read that verse 17. Somebody read that verse 17. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. For what? Huh. Oh, good, good. Hold it. Number one, there are two things there. When the Lord stands by you, he strengthens you for what? One, for the purpose of God to be fulfilled. Praise God. What was the purpose of God concerning Paul? When Ananias was sent to Paul, God sent him with a message. What was the message to Paul? Hmm? You are a chosen instrument to do what? To bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So Paul is saying, when the pressure is coming down, when the pressure is building on the inside, when it seems that everybody has left me and everybody has forsaken me and no one stands by me, I want to tell you, God who called me, he's faithful, he stood by me and he strengthened me so that his purpose Purpose number one will be fulfilled. When God stands by you and empowers you, it is so that God's design concerning you will be fulfilled. 
See, when the enemy assaults you, I said, he's not attacking where you are, but where you are going. His assault is against the design of God for your life. Praise God. So when God stands by you and he strengthens you, the design of God, the purpose of God concerning your life is fulfilled, number one. Number two, praise God. If he stands by me and if he strengthens me, he will rescue me out of the mouth of the lion. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right perceptions lead to right response in life. What does that mean? Well, we said that in the New Testament, our foe is not what? It's not human beings. Enemy is not our brother. It's not our sister. It's not the fellow who's sitting next to you in the church. It's not the fellow that's sitting next to you in the subway. It's not the fellow sitting next to you in your office. But, but, but what? But what? There is a power. There is a spirit that works through people around us. Who is the closest to you? Do you think that Satan can work through the closest person in your life? Yes or no? Give me an example. Don't just simply say yes. Huh? Job's wife. He, she said what? Curse God and commit. <laughs> Don't say curse God and now because it doesn't bring the whole thing in. But basically she was saying curse God and commit suicide. Wow, who? What a wife. Another example, Peter pulls Jesus to the side and say, he did what? He rebuked Jesus and says, you know what? You're not going to do that. You're not going to go and die. You're not. Jesus said what? Jesus turned around and said what? Get behind me, Peter, Petra, Cephas, they who rock. No, he said, get behind me who? You don't have what? You don't have the things of God in your Listen, when we hear counsel from people, listen to this very carefully. When you hear counsel from people, ask God to give you the discernment to identify whether it's from God or coming from the pit of If Satan can use Peter, who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, to talk and transmit the, the message from the pit of hell, I want to tell you, Satan can use anyone to give you a counsel that is not of God. So you and I ought to be in a place where you are able to discern what is of God and what is not of God. What is good and what is bad. Nay, what is good and what is best. Every good counsel is not the best counsel for you. Every good counsel is not the godly counsel for you. 
good and godly might sound the same, but there's a world of difference between good and godly. Make sure you don't settle for good, but settle for godly. I ain't talking about no guy called godly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right perception leads to right response. I told you, when you get a chance, go home and read it. Second Timothy chapter 4 from 14 onwards. He's talking about Alexander Coppersmith. He did much harm to me. But Paul is saying he doesn't have an emotional response. An emotional response from Paul would have said, Man, I wish that he get fried. I wish that he get fired. I wish the evil on him. No, that's not what Paul says. That would have been a natural emotional response. Paul does not come with a natural emotional response, but Paul comes with a godly response. What is a godly response? The godly response is let God deal with it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. What is our response to people who do harm to us, who speak negative about us, who go on, 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 on a campaign against you, who goes to by slandering you? What is our natural impulse? The natural impulse, the emotional response is to fight back, but a godly response is to give it into the hands of God. Paul said, let God handle it. Praise God. Let the Lord reward him. But there is a practical aspect to it. He's writing to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, let God deal with him. But let me tell you, you be on your God. Because he has done much harm to me. He has done much harm to the gospel. He has the potential to do harm to you. Therefore, be on your God. That is a godly response. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord stood with me and the Lord strengthened me. Praise God. If the Lord stands by you, he will rescue you. Hallelujah. Listen, this is how Paul concludes. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Church, you have an adversary, but you have a friend in Jesus who will stand by you, who will strengthen you so that God's purpose concerning will be fulfilled and he will destabilize the situation where you and I would have become a meal for the enemy. But rather than that, God gives us the promise. He says that I will not only rescue you now, but I will make sure that you will reach my kingdom in 
one piece. Ah, hallelujah. That's not only for Paul. It's for me and it's for you. Tell your neighbor, it's for me also. Amen. What's for you? What's for you? Huh? What's for you? God will see you through. <laughs> he who has a, he who has begin a good work in you will do what? He is faithful to complete it, to finish it, to bring it to fruition until the day of the Lord. Ah, what an assurance, church. On your feet, everyone. Praise God. What an assurance. Yes, I have an enemy, but I have a friend that is stronger than my enemy. Even if no one stands by me, he will stand by me. He will strengthen me and he will allow the purpose of God to be fulfilled in me. And he will rescue me from that Satan, from that devil, from that roaring lion who wants to devour me. And he will make sure that I will have a safe passage into the kingdom of God. All eyes closed. Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Amen. Where are you this morning? You feel left out? Have your friends left you hanging? Have you friends, have your friends left you on a limb? Have they double crossed you? Have they let you down? The people who love you, have they deserted you? Have they forsaken you? Have they called you out? No matter where you are, the Lord says, I'll stand by you. And I will empower you. Hey. Do you have a war room? Is your prayer room active? Church, you and I are not in a playground. We are in a battleground. And if we are in a battleground, we need to move based on what we hear from the Lord. There will be time when we have to go on the defense. There will be time when we will have to go on the offense. There will be a time when we have to go on chill. But regardless of what situation you are in this morning, I want to tell you the Lord is with you if you have time for him in your life. My Father, we yield our lives to you this morning. We thank you for speaking into our lives. We thank you for the Savior that stands by us. And empowers us so that your design for our lives are fulfilled. Lord, as we depart from this place, we hold fast to the promise of God's word. We bank on the promises of God. We will not be run by circumstance. Our lives will not be dictated by the environments. Our ministry will not be dictated by the whims of men. But we will be led by the Spirit of God. For you stand by us and you strengthen us so that your purpose is fulfilled in our lives. Send us home with that assurance 
In Jesus' name we pray. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with us for now and forevermore. And God's people said, Amen.